I write, Jane came into the room and sat down on the blue couch. Read that. Wince. Cross out, came into the room, and down, and blue. Why does she have to come into the room? Can someone sit up on a couch? Why do we care if it's blue? And the sentence becomes, Jane sat on the couch, and suddenly it's better. George Saunders. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee S's. This episode is one I can learn from. And, uh, send us a... <clears throat> Don't come for us. <laughs> Leave us fantasy authors alone. We are doing better than Tolkien. Yeah. If you want a study on excessive descriptions, Tolkien is a great tool for that. And that is what we are talking about today is when you have too many descriptions, too much going on in a sentence, trying to just set a scene. Yes, there is something to say about beautiful prose, beautiful description, but any amount of description that doesn't fulfill a specific purpose is too much. So we're going to talk about some of the common ways that people will put too much description into their sentences. And that starts with too many things happening at once. I'm targeting those smart pantsers again this episode. There's a fair amount of this is happening as that is happening. And as a plotter, I have done this myself, especially in combat. I was looking back through some of my earlier works and the really long sentences in combat came down to this arm does this as his feet do this as his elbow is doing this. He's doing all three things at once. So I try to keep it all in one sentence and then it just gets way too excessive. Like in our example quote for this episode, having your character go through a bunch of motions that really aren't necessary. We don't need to see somebody walking into a room if we're going to then see them sitting on the couch. We can assume that they walked in and sat on the couch. Unless them walking in is the important part of the sentence, then we don't need to see them sitting on the couch. It is way better to pare it down to what actually matters to your story and to the scene that you're trying to set. Therefore, keep an eye out on those introductory clauses. Anytime that the main action of the sentence happens after the first comma, look at everything before that first comma and go, do we need that? Is this giving new or interesting information to the reader? Is this something the reader can't assume on their own? If the person walks into the room and then sits on the couch versus if they sit on the couch, we assume at some point they have walked into the room. We don't need that introductory clause. One of the things that you can also look for is the difference between what is necessary for the reader to know and what you just want the reader to know. These are two extremes. Neither are really good. If you are only giving what is necessary for the reader to know, then it is a very bare-bones story. Now, some styles, some genres, that is a better way to write. If you try to write what is only necessary for the reader in a fantasy story, you're not going to get a lot of fantasy readers. Now, if you do the other side where you're just dumping everything that you want the readers to know, then it becomes Tolkien-level talking about a tree for three pages. Again, we don't need that much information. Find a good balance in between of giving a good description, giving a good scene setting, describing the world around them, 
but not taking too much time away from what's actually important in your story. Details immerse the reader, but if it's a detail that the reader can already think about, you can do without the detail because you're slowing the story down. Another rule of thumb that I like to have for my writing is how much time the point of view character is spending on understanding the description. So I am looking around the studio and I see our laptops and microphones and the acoustic paneling. I can see all of that at a glance. I'm not spending much thought or time on it. If I'm stuck in here for 17 hours with nothing better to do, I am counting the number of tiles. (laughs) Another thing to keep an eye out for If you listened to our episode a week ago, you know that this doesn't necessarily mean you have an excessive description, but stacking adjectives back to back is something to take a closer look at. Make sure this is something that has the adjectives feeding off of each other and making the sum more than its parts. Also look for and try to recognize when a sentence is more than two lines in your document. Of course, this might change a little bit if you're working on like a mobile platform where you're working from a very narrow screen. But if it is on a standard style Word document, taking up more than two lines, you're likely including too much description. Look for a way to break it up so that it is more palatable. Of course, you can write long sentences, you can write long descriptions, but make sure that that is done with intention and that you are staying focused so you avoid the pitfalls of our last episode of having convoluted sentences. Another thing to keep an eye out for are the generic surface level emotions. If you're using words like happy and sad, these moods are probably implied with everything else that you're saying. There will be a more specific emotion that you're trying to say rather than these generic happy, sad, angry umbrella emotions. Really dig into it. Offer just enough description of how they look, how they're interacting, what they're doing to convey that emotion. You don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it, though. So if the paragraph reads, he was terrified. What if his daughter was taken by the king's men? What if this and that can happen? You can take out the he was terrified because he's already expressing these fears. And that makes the fear more specific and gives us a better idea of the moment without having this excessive description. Also look for any time that you say the word felt or feels, or feeling, because most of the time, that whole sentence can just go away. Or you can rewrite it, you can rephrase it in a more concise and direct way. And our last point, probably one of the more egregious ways to offer poor and excessive descriptions, would be including more than one metaphor in the same sentence. This is something like, my blood ran cold and I felt a fire of anger. No, those don't work together. Keep your metaphors consistent. Now, let's get into examples, both good and bad, and we will break down how we feel these sentences do with their descriptions. In a burst of spontaneity, he embarks on a whirlwind expedition to the United States. I would take out the introductory clause to this one. 
To me, a whirlwind expedition kind of implies the spontaneity of it. Yeah, definitely. And burst and spontaneity go hand in hand as well. So you've got three words all saying the same thing here. So taking out that introductory clause is a great solution to that. Brings us down to one word and we get the idea of he embarks on a whirlwind expedition to the United States. We're saying exactly the same thing. Tycho fished into his pocket and found his lighter, trying not to shake too much as he thumbed it open, when he looked up and met McCall's eyes, just as the android spoke again. How many different independent thoughts were in this? I'm seeing three. So trying not to shake too much as he thumbed it open, the lighter. There's the action of fishing the lighter out and finding it. When he looked up and met McCall's eyes just as the android spoke again. So that's four. Yeah. I I had the fishing and thumbing open the lighter. I would put all of that in one sentence for me. But it's two independent actions. Yes. So this is a very newbie author who has read a lot, but hasn't done a lot of writing. So I would say the descriptions are actually pretty good on this. There are other issues with the sentence, but as far as the descriptions themselves, I feel like they work. I do, too. My only issue with this is that there's too much happening for a single sentence. It should be broken up into at least two, if not three different sentences. Agreed. I came to hate the complainers with their dry and crumbly lipsticks and their wrinkled rage and their stupid, flaccid old people's sun hats with brims the breadth of Saturn's rings. There is a lot going on in this one, but I actually like this. Yeah, there's maybe a little bit of the stacking metaphors because not all of the complainers will have the hats. So I hate the complainers specifically with the hats as wide as Saturn's rings is a little much. So there's kind of a stacking there of an image within an image. But the excessiveness is the point of the sentence. And it still managed to stay under two lines. And it does give us that visceral feel of this close-up of an old woman with gross lipstick. It does a very good job of conveying a visceral image. I like this one. It's a lot, but I like it. (laughs) I am going to say that probably my favorite part of this sentence is the word stupid. Stupid, flaccid, old people sun hats. (laughs) It's like, you have such a great image there that each bit of these descriptions mounts on top of the other without feeling redundant. So I'll give this one a yes. So obviously you don't need to have short, very condensed descriptions all of the time. You can have a lot going on in a sentence and have it still work so long as each one of those has a purpose behind it. Overall, my advice for writing this kind of thing and avoiding these issues in your writing is to choose your moments well. Choose how you want to describe in a way that is interesting, that informs the reader something they didn't expect, and everything works together instead of saying the same thing repeatedly. So if you want to describe that thing, describe it almost as much as Tolkien, but not quite. You enjoy describing that thing, especially during Nano, because you're writing selfishly. 
If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>